Three Times Lucky by Sheila Turnage. Chapter 22. A Town Full of Nobodies. I woke up snuggled deep in Miss Rose's feather bed, sunlight filtering through her lace-trimmed curtains and playing along her faded wallpaper. Mo, Dale whispered, rapping softly on the door. You up? Yeah, I called. Come on in. He peeked around the door. You threw barfing? Dale can't tolerate other people throwing up. He gets what's known as the synchronized heaves. Lavender says if they ever make it an Olympic sport, Dale's an automatic for the gold. He placed a paper towel-covered plate on the bed beside me. Tomato sandwich, he said. I made it the way you like it. Fat, homegrown tomatoes, double mayo, salt, and pepper. Dale and Miss Rose eat a lot of homegrown. They start their seats early in a hot box around back. Thanks, I said. I'm starving. I polished off the sandwich in record time, wiped my mouth, and settled back against the pillows. It's quiet, I said. Where's everybody? Mama went to Snow Hill to see a lawyer, he said. A lawyer? Who's in jail this time? Nobody. It's about getting Daddy moved out. For good, I mean, he said, not meeting my eyes. She said not to worry, so I ain't. Dale can choose not to worry like he chooses not to wear socks. Miss Lana says I have more of a Jack Russell brain. I think things apart for sport. I glanced at the clock on the mantel. Miss Rhodes needs to wind her clock. No, he said. Eight o'clock tomorrow morning is right. I sat bolt upright. It's Friday morning? Yep, you slept all Thursday afternoon and all night, too. Mama says you were worn slam out from worry. Friday? My life settled around me like a net of bad dreams. I couldn't breathe. Have they found Miss Lana? Not yet, he said, looking away. The colonel? He shook his head. I stared at the embroidery on Miss Rose's bedspread until I was sure I wouldn't cry. Where's Star? Where's Deputy Marla? He's in town and she's in the living room. Star says Marla can handle Slate if he calls, he said. He perched gingerly on the side of my bed, leaving himself a shot at the door. I tried to settle down. It's a pretty room, Miss Rose's, with no sign of Dale's daddy. An old-time clock on the mantel, a soft-bottomed chair by the open window, a desk against the wall. A gust of wind sent papers fluttering from desk to floor. I got it, I said, rising and patting across the worn wool rug. I scooped up the pamphlets, glad to have something new to focus on. Hey, y'all going on vacation? His face lit up. Are we? Looks like it, I said, scanning the brochures. Farm life museum, a tobacco museum. Sounds boring. So don't come with us, he said, taking them from my hands. Come on, Mo. Mama didn't take your barfing self into her room so you could rummage through her desk, he said, pulling the desktop down. I got to water Cleo and fix that broke down stuff at the barn, he said. You want to watch? We can discuss Miss Lana's case. I'm not much for watching, I said, sliding my feet into my sneakers, but I'll help. I opened the door and ran square into Deputy Marla. What are you doing here? I asked, an uneasiness tickling the back of my neck. Me? She grinned, tucking her hair behind her ear. I was coming to check on you. How are you feeling, Mo? Better, I said. Jumpy, I guess. Has Slate called? No, she said calmly, but he will. We're ready for him, and we still have people searching. No news is good news, right? I sure didn't feel that way. Slate wants money. Why hasn't he called? I asked. She slid her arms across my shoulders. Come have a glass of tea with me, she said, herding me toward the kitchen. Both of you. She flowed around the kitchen like it was her own, filling glasses with ice as Dale and I sat at the table. She slid each of us a glass of tea and sat beside me. Mo, she said, I've been thinking. Slate believes the colonel has a ton of money. Her eyes searched my face. That means a safe, a lockbox, a bank book. If you have any idea, I ain't ever heard of it. Even heard of it, I said, I told her. 
A half million dollars is crazy. Why would the colonel have that much money? Yeah, Dale said, and spit an ice cube back into his glass. The only way he could get that much money would be to rob a... Oh, only the colonel ain't a thief, I said. Deputy Marla tilted her head watching me. I don't think he is either, she said, but Slate's asking for a half million dollars, exactly what he and an accomplice stole in Winston-Salem 12 years ago. An odd coincidence, wouldn't you say? I would, since the money from Slate's heist was never recovered. I didn't answer. Mo, she said, it's hard being alone. I know. I want to find the colonel and Miss Lana for you, so please try to remember anything the colonel said or done that might help us. A bank account, a hiding place, it's important. Dale leaned away from her. She already said she don't know, he said. Plus, Mo's a kid. If somebody's thinking, I think it should be you and Star. She hesitated. Of course, she said softly. She slid her hand to mine. I'm sorry, sweetie, she said. Sometimes I go overboard trying to help. Tell me what you two have planned for today. I pulled my hand away. We got chores. You want to come? Dale offered. He pointed out the window at his mule, Cleopatra, who stood in the pasture, mulching munching grass. Cleo's a great mule. She's half Tennessee Walker. You can water her if you like. Deputy Marla's grin made her look younger. I just might take you up on that one day. Where are you two working? At the tobacco barn, he said. She poured herself another glass of tea. Well, stay where I can see you, and if anything happens, call me. Understand? I'm stuck by the phone until Slate calls. We headed for the door. That was weird, Dale said as Queen Elizabeth slunk out of hiding and fell in beside us. What's all that about her knowing what it's like to be alone? She's an orphan, I said. She told me. He frowned. Why would she tell you that? Because I told her about upstream mother and how I haven't ain't found yet found her, I said. Deputy Marla and I got a lot in common. He snorted. No, you don't. She's playing you. Playing me? Why would she? There ain't nothing to win. Yes, there is. You just can't name it yet, he said. Believe me, she's as much as a con as my Uncle Mike and he's doing three to five. You just don't trust her because she's law enforcement. He shrugged. Suit yourself. He slung a stick into the tobacco field. Fetch it, Liz, he said. Good girl. We walked the rest of the way in silence. Skeeter showed up half an hour later, swinging a battered attache case. Hey, she said. I caught a ride with Mama so I wouldn't mess up your phone tap. She brought y'all a broccoli casserole. I gasped. Broccoli casserole? Your Mama's death dish? Dale said, looking up from the tangle of worn plow lines at his feet. Who died? What have you heard? Nobody, she said quickly. Gosh, I'm sorry, Mo. Everything's fine. We just didn't know what to bring for a kidnapping, but that seems to comfort people when somebody goes away. Anyway, hope you like it. Thanks, I said, my heart founding its usual pace. That's not nice of you all. She opened her attache. Anyway, I wanted to report. We checked those serial numbers, Mo. The C note from the church is hold-up money. Dale whispered, So, Mr. Jesse was in on the heist. He was at least in on the loot, she said, but the $5 bill was clean. It was? Suddenly I felt like half a million dollars, even if I couldn't lay my hands on it. Great. $5 bill? Dale asked. What five? Tell you later, I said. Thanks, Skeeter. Don't thank me, she said. My cousin at the bank's drive through couldn't do a thing. Thank Anna Celeste. Her great aunt on the mother's side runs a bank in Wilmington. Sal talked to her for you. She glanced at the house. Deputy Marla and Skeeter's mother were walking to the van, chatting like old friends. See you, desperados. 
As Skeeter strolled away, Dale picked up a snarl of old reins and began teasing the knots apart. I could feel the anger rolling off his silence. Now what? Oh yeah, right, the five dollar bill. I guess you're wondering about that five spot, I said. He didn't look up. It's the emergency five from my suitcase, the one that's always been there. I kind of thought it might be a clue. And you didn't tell me because? I don't know, I said. Even to me, it sounded like a lie. You thought maybe the colonel was in on the heist, so you had the number run without telling me? He said, his voice flat. What if it'd come back the other way? What if it was part of the loot? Were you going to tell me then? When I didn't answer, he shook his head. I thought we were partners, he said. We are. I didn't tell you because... I don't know. I should have, I said. His fingers worked at the knot, pulling, tugging. Give me a break, Dale. Marla, Deputy Marla's right. If I can't figure this out, I'm alone. I got nobody except an upstream mother I can't find. Nobody? He dropped the reins and stared at me so angry his lips went pale. You got people driving out here to sit with you, bringing you food. You got Skeeter helping. You got Sal breaking her family rules for you. You got Anna Celeste helping. She can't stand you. You got me and Mama and Lavender. You got a town full of nobodies, in case you haven't noticed, he said, his voice picking up steam. And I'm sick of hearing about your upstream mother. You think you're the only person that ever got thrown away, he said. You think Anna Celeste doesn't get thrown away every time her mother looks razor blades at her? You think I don't get thrown away every time Daddy... He clamped his mouth shut. He sat there looking like a tired, angry old man. Then he jumped to his feet and brushed past me, heading for the house. An hour later, I tapped on the door of Lavender's old room. Dale? I turned the porcelain knob and pushed the door open a whisper. Can I come in? If you want to, he said, his voice like frost. He sat sideways in an overstuffed chair by the window, his legs over the chair arm, leafing through a back issue of NASCAR Illustrated magazine. Liz curled up by his chair. I'm sorry, I said. Really? He said, squinting at a photograph. I sighed. Dale can be stubborn. I know how much you and Miss Rose and Lavender do for me, I said. I appreciate it. I know this ain't a great time for you all with your daddy acting the way he is. He turned to Paige. I hate him for hitting you, Dale. He shrugged. Nobody said anything about, I've seen the marks. If he tries it around me, I'll take him down. He cocked an eyebrow. I'm a born scrapper. Plus, I have karate skills. I reminded him. He looked up, finally. He's twice as big as you are, Mo, and he ain't like Mr. Lee at karate night. When Daddy hits, he means it, and he's getting worse. That's why Mama's thrown him out. Mr. Lee says no matter how big the enemy, don't hit him unless you aim to kill him, Mo, he said, looking me full in the face. I mean it. I could hear myself swallow. Hey, I have an idea, he said, his voice flat. Let's talk about something you actually know about, like that $5 bill. I sat on the edge of Lavender's old bed and looked around. It was a used-to-be room full of kids' stuff left behind. When Star said he'd run the serial number on that dollar bill over the cafe's door, that five was the only other piece of money I could think of. I didn't tell you because... I stared at the rag rug. I was ashamed, he closed his magazine. Of the colonel? Of me for not being sure. I'm sorry, I said. I hope you'll forgive me. I looked out the window. A bed spread flapped on Miss Rose's wash line. He propped his chin on his hand and studied me, his blue eyes serious in his freckled face. Then, like sunlight after rain, okay, he said, I forgive you. Dale kills me. Just like that? I never forgive. I like revenge too much. Yeah, he said, I'm a Baptist. So far, fast or never is the only speeds I got for forgiven. 
But from here on, Mo, if we're partners, we're partners. If we're not, we're not. You decide and decide it now. Partners. He jumped up. Good. Let's give Queen Elizabeth a bath. Lavender's coming for supper and I want her to smell good. Dale, I said, you're the best friend I got. I know, he grinned. Come on, Desperado. You wash and I'll dry. Dear upstream mother, it's night. Everybody's asleep. Still no word from the colonel or Miss Lana. I feel like sky without stars. Dale and I had a fight today. Then we made up and gave QE2 a bath. Lavender came for supper. He wore jeans and his cambray shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Lavender and Sam drive to Sycamore tomorrow, almost to the mountains, to race in the Sycamore 200. He says his car runs great and looks like a million bucks with our ads painted on it. Deputy Marla came too. In fact, she mashed the potatoes. Congratulations on achieving your dream, she told Lavender. That must feel great. Lavender spooned green onions on his turnip greens. It does, but dreams are shapeshifters. Get close and before you can lay a hand on them, they change. She smiled the way women smile at Lavender, but I can tell she secretly thinks he's crazy. The hurricanes turn toward Charleston. I hope Cousin Gideon will be okay. I got three bottles ready for launch, two blue ones and a clear one. Lavender's dropping my bottles on his way west. You might at least see one drift by. I hope you won't mind, but the message says, Lost, Miss Lana, 36 years old, 5'6", red hair, 130 pounds, last seen a black wig and red kimono. Contact Mo in Tupelo Landing, 252-555-4663. If you see Miss Lana, please help her. I'm pretty sure the colonel can take care of himself. Mo.